I'm prone to evil. Like, dude, I trick myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't trust that my emotions will stay right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I've already, I've already done enough damage. Like, I've mm-hmm. seen it. Yeah. I've got the proof, man. Like, I'm a moron if I, if I get away from Jesus even a little bit. What up, everybody, and welcome back to the Bible Leadership Podcast. This is Pastor Mark Carter, and we're so excited you could join us today. The Bible Leadership Podcast, or BLP as we call it, is for up-and-coming Christian leaders. There's a lot of podcasts out there that are probably more appropriate for senior pastors only, but this is a podcast that was invented for ministry leaders and those with leadership aspirations. So if you are new, welcome to the BOP family. I'd love to invite you to subscribe if you're not subscribed. And if you're interested in receiving the show notes, you can go to BibleLeadership.com and hit the subscribe button, and we'll send you detailed notes of each episode. If it's helpful to you and you're getting something out of it, it would mean a ton to me if you'd invite others to be part of the BLP community as well, because every leader needs to be leading not only with the scriptures, but from the scriptures. Last week, we began a conversation with Pastor Scott Chapman of the chapel in Lake County, Illinois, about what we can learn from the plethora of very public moral failures that seem to be happening with greater regularity in the body of Christ. I learned a ton, and I hope that you did too. This is such an important topic right now, so let's just dive right back in. Here's part two of my conversation with Pastor Scott. What should we learn from leaders who have very public moral failures? Let's get after it. I'm sure being in some of the circles that you've been in, there's an expectation that pastors and leaders are supposed to have certain things. And so maybe that's another question I would ask is, and I'm not asking you to make the law about it. But good, I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) What would you, you know, if you could be like, hey, there's certain things, pastors, I just don't know, man, you're playing with fire. I don't know. I don't know that you really need that. Like, this only seems like it's going to hurt you. Are you sure you need that thing? Yeah. What would you put on that list? Yeah, I mean, first thing I think is the final say. What do you really need the final say on? And, and, And let's be honest. A lot more pastors don't have the final say on enough. Yeah. Amen. And so let's let's put it there. But what do you really need the final say on? Like seriously think it through, pray it through with God. Like where do I need to be able to make the final call in order to do my job effectively and in order to be the man of God that I'm called to be? And frankly, where don't I? Yeah. Because I don't need to have the final say on everything. Yeah. And I shouldn't have the final say on my compensation. Yeah, that's good. I, and everybody's going to say, oh, I don't. I have a friend. And I, have, I, I know boards that are made up entirely of family. I know boards that are made up of other pastors from other towns and they all give each other massive compensation. And they're like, yeah, it's like the new thing, right? To be able to do that. And I've been offered into those, those situations. And I'm like, Hey, I love you guys a ton. Like want to play golf with you when I come into town and I want to, you know, be friends. I don't want to be on your board because I think that's going to really hurt. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt me. And it's going to hurt the church. It's just a bad idea. It's, it's the illusion of accountability without it. And so if I really want to say, I need to make this amount of money, and I need to be the final arbiter of that, I think that's a problem. Yeah. I think it's a problem to say, I need to be able to do ministry any way I want. Yeah. Like, really? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and so part of that, like, I think if you want really strong leaders, for one thing, on your team, you can't just hand them things to do. Yeah. You have to hand them the opportunity to create culture yeah, sure. and yeah. to create yeah, that's it. That's it. The, the dynamics around you. And, and part of that is giving away the final final on some of those things to some Amen. of those people. Praise God. Yep. I, I also think, man, in this, I, I remember 
Ted Haggard, we had Ted out to speak. And I think you were there. Yeah. Actually, when we did. And he did a great job for us. And about two weeks later, he had the fall that we all know that he had. I'll never forget, he was sitting in my office and we were talking afterwards and we were having some lunch. And one of the questions I asked him, I said, hey, Ted, I said, what advice would you give me as a younger pastor? And you asked him this before his fall. This is before, yeah, two weeks before. Yeah, okay. So no one knew this, yeah. right, at the time. And he was head of the National Association of Evangelicals at this point in time. So I just thought, man, I could glean a lot of wisdom. And I never will forget what he said. He looked at me and he got very, very serious. And he just said, Scott, whatever you do, protect your marriage bed. Mm. And I look at that, particularly what I knew two weeks from that moment. Yeah. And I, and first of all, I would say people could immediately say, oh man, what a hypocrite. I actually think he was trying to help me. Yeah. Like I actually think his heart was pierced. Yeah. He was yeah. really wounded. He knew he was wrong. He knew the life he was living was destroyed. And he knew it was only a matter of time before he was going to be found out. Yeah. And he was trying to keep me from doing anything like that. So I actually have a lot of, I have a lot of compassion for him in the midst of that. But that moment showed me a, a very real glimpse for the, probably maybe the first time in my life at a leader who knew. Yeah. And he had no idea how to get out of it. Yeah. That's a great segue. So let's talk for a minute about the person who they know they're in over their head. They know they're like, man, if somebody finds out about this, I'm in trouble. They lead something big. Um, or maybe it's not even very big in their eyes, but but it, it will impact people if somebody finds out. Talk to them for a minute. What do they need to hear? What do they need to do? How, how do we help them get out of it without it just being a complete shame down, man? Like, like what does that look like? Totally. I, I think first and foremost, I just want to say it's not too late. That'd be the first thing I, I would want to speak into that person's life. No matter what you've done, no matter where it is, it's not too late. And what I mean by that isn't necessarily that you're going to hang on to your job. It isn't necessarily that you're not going to have to take a break from ministry for a season. It doesn't mean you're going to have to tell your wife some really hard things, your yeah. husband some really hard yeah. things. I'm yeah. not saying that. What I am saying is it's not too late, particularly if you come forward and say this has gone too far. I'm embarrassed about what I've done. Yeah. I'm horrified at the, the level the enemy has gotten a hold of my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that I need to do the responsible thing to for my ministry, for my marriage, for my life. Yeah. I just want to say in that moment, the, the lie that we hear is people are going to chew me alive and they're going to destroy me for fun. I'm going to become the next Christian pinata that is going to be hung up on Christian radio and yeah. just whacked with sticks yeah. from one end to the other. And I would honestly say, I have not seen that really happen. Yeah. Praise God. I have seen people have enormous grace and compassion. I've seen spouses get really mad, but in the end, have enormous grace and compassion. Yeah. I've seen second chances that are really good. Praise God. And so I just want to speak life and I want to speak hope into anybody that's listening to us that's in that circumstance. I also would say for you who aren't in that circumstance, you could be. So yeah. like, how about we don't judge those people yeah, too bad? Yeah, come on, man. Yep. Okay. It's not like some of us have a special category of sinlessness that this is never going to touch us. I would just say two things. One, we should have a heart of grace, compassion, and restoration. Yeah. That should be our heart. When we hear that, we should immediately think, oh, God, let's get a hold of that. Yep. Let's help that person. Let's get beside that brother or sister. Let's dig in with them. Not, oh, my gosh, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Or, man, that's going to end that. I wonder how that's going to be. And, yeah. oh, boy, you are not so big now. Yeah. 
And the other is, and this was huge, I think, even like with Mark Driscoll in, at Mars Hill in Seattle, the world was stunned. I mean, that was a muscular church, for lack of a better word. 15,000 folks over, I don't know how many campuses, like 10, I think, or something like that, yeah, that they yeah. may have had. It was, it was a national impacting church. Mark was somebody that had a lot of visibility. He was very quotable. And in that, you just said, man, that is a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Mark, again, stumbles. And all of a sudden, that church doesn't exist within weeks. Yeah. I think that stunned everybody in Churchland. Yeah. Same. And here's the and here's the reason why. And this has been true in other settings. When you build a shark tank, you shouldn't be amazed when you get eaten. <laughs> okay. And the reality is if you build a non-gracious, high condemnation culture mm-hmm. of where everybody gets in agreement on we're going to co- condemn people outside the circle. Oh, let me call that out and condemn that. Let me call that out and condemn that. Let me call that out and condemn that. It shouldn't be radically surprising to us if we find our sin lands us outside the circle of what's going to happen to us. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened there. And so for me, the second thing, the first thing is, man, where's our heart Mm -hmm. toward these people? The second thing is, let's, even if we're not in that circumstance, let's build redemptive cultures. Yeah, that's it. That's it, dude. Okay. Let's build grace-filled cultures where we can actually tell the truth about sin and we're not having to create a fake image to come to church or to be a leader or to lead the whole thing. Yeah. If we have to be fake to be a Christian, something has gone really wrong here. Yeah, yeah. And I think we have to be able to say, I am sinning. I am making mistakes. I am leading as a, a weak and frail person. And, and we're going to do this together in a way that we're better than we could be alone. I love that. What's the balance, Scott, between there has to be consequences? Like some of it's it's pretty bad. You know, yeah. there's got to be consequences. What I don't see is I don't necessarily see when all this breaks out. I see a lot of judgment. I see a lot of anger. I almost even see a weird delight on some's face. Absolutely. You, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't hear much about the value for restoration. Mm-hmm. I've got a good friend who most people know who he is and, and he, you know, he, he had a very public fall and I, I think it was right. He admits that it was right. Like the discipline that happened to him. And, and at the same time, I think he was genuinely like surprised by the lack of focus on restoration. I don't know. Every context is different. I know different things are going on in different mm-hmm. places, but it, are we missing something with regard to restoration in these conversations? At times we are. And I, and I, I, I agree with you. I think this is a really good point. In the, in, the, in the conversations that I'm in, in the places where I've been allowed to give influence, whether it's a little bit of influence or a lot of influence, I have really drawn a distinction between consequences and punishment. Yeah. And I don't really feel called to punish anybody. Yeah. I do think consequences, consequences like we actually need people who are following Jesus morally in leadership positions. So you can't be there right now. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like that's a consequence. Okay. I'm not punishing you for what you did. I'm just simply saying there's a season where you're going to have to not be there minimally. Yeah. Right. And you're going to have to rebuild. We need someone while you're rebuilding to do that. I think there's consequences in our marriage. Meaning if we were outside of marriage, if we were attempting to get women into our bed over this or men into our bed over this. Yeah, I, I think spouses are going to have a voice in that. 
like like to, to matter like my wife, I came home and told her that and imagine that we're somehow this is gonna be solved by the time we went to bed. Like that's a, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? That's crazy. You're, yes, people are gonna get very upset because they feel violated. Yeah. Right? There's consequences course, to that. Of course. The best spouses, and I've seen this actually over and over and over again, are not punishing. They're angry. Yeah. They're hurt very badly. And they're asking really big questions like, walk me through why I'm not enough. Yeah. I've been here for you for 20 however many years. I've birthed children for you. I have subordinated everything else for you. And now I'm not enough because some other person is now more that you need. And, and here's the reality. Those are actually the conversations that need to take place. Yeah. And they should have taken place prior to that. Yeah. Like, like I've seen so many guys that hit 38 to 42 and all of a sudden their lust goes out of control. Right. All of a sudden it's not what they were dealing with before. Yeah. And all of a sudden, particularly if they've been successful, because success is an aphrodisiac, yeah. right? And young women are now going to be giving them way more attention and in a way that they hadn't had it before. And their wife, usually now burdened with X amount of children and all yep, kinds yep, of yep, duties, yep. are asking them questions not like, tell me again how awesome you are. <laughs> right? And, you know, when you said that thing this Sunday, I will tell you, it just opened up my heart. Your wife is saying, tell me when you're going to be home again. Yeah, yeah. Tell, can I hand this kid to you right now? Yep. Do you understand where we are financially? Can you, <laughs> can you do something about that? And so the reality is that feels different, and you don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a self-centered orientation. All of a sudden, lust takes a bigger role in your life. Yeah. So what can we do, those of us who lead a church or a team or you know someplace in the organization where we're a little bit nervous and we're like, this, if this happens with these guys and gals, how can I stop it from happening here? Yeah. What, what are you guys finding at the chapel? What do we need to do as leaders to, to push back against some of this and, and just create cultures? You know, we talked about, well, you got to be able to say, you know, what's on your mind and, and give pushback. But, but what does it actually look like? How do we build that? Yeah, and I, I think there's several things that are a big part of that. I think it starts with the leader being willing to be in a group of people, and he, can, he or she can pick that group. But that, but it has to be a truth-telling group. Yeah. A group where you are going to be able to say, this is honestly where I'm at. A culture of truth-telling. A culture of truth-telling and be able to receive people's feedback back. But, you know, speaking the truth to love into you. Yeah. I uh, started a prayer group a few years ago for that very reason. Other Christian leaders. And get together monthly. And the idea was I needed a place to be able to say, I am really struggling right now with this. Like I am, I'm struggling with anger right now over these things and it doesn't characterize me, but I know it has a hold of me and it's bigger than I want it to be. Right. Yeah. I know right now I'm struggling with fear and I'm afraid of these things. And that fear is starting to make me like, I try to act not afraid because I'm afraid and and it's affecting my decisions. I am starting to to worry about lust more than what I have in the past. And it's not been the same things of like, Mm -hmm. I've got to have a filter on my computer. It's way more about, wow, when that person said this to me, and I really want to see that person again, and I'm thinking about that person. And and I'm looking forward to Sunday for the next comment I get. Mm -hmm. All of those things, where do those live? Because here's the truth, okay? Most of us, some of us are absolute Christian rock stars. And I just, man, I love that, right? Most of us are going to be scared to have those with people who can fire us. Mm-hmm. Most of those are, of us are going to have, be scared to have those with people who work for us. And most of us are going to be scared to have those conversations with our wives or spouses. And that shouldn't be. Right. I'm just saying That's most of us yeah. yep. do. 
And so my question would be, where are you going to have those? Because here's the thing. Those are the impulses that become big things. Yeah. Those are the impulses. If that fear is allowed to grow, it's going to grow into something else. And it's, and that fear is going to produce results that don't look like fear. If that ambition is allowed to grow, when pride is fully rooted, it looks different than ambition. Do we need a better focus on interpersonal accountability that isn't maybe connected to the chain of command? Yes. I think that is huge. Um, I think it needs to, you need one that's a connected official, you need an official one that yeah. is connected to the chain of command. Yep. But I, I think that is helpful in, in creating uh, guardrails. Like, like you're saying, okay, listen, don't step over these lines and we're going to make sure you don't. What it doesn't do really well is minister to the heart of the people who are necessarily right. there. Yep, yep. And I think a secondary one that is able to really get after that is able to, to get at things before they're really full grown. Yeah. And it gives us the ability to realize we're all broken together and we're all, we also can make changes. Yeah. And we're not a prisoner and we're not passive. We can actually do things that yeah. can keep us more at the That's center it, of that. Man. Bro, this has been so intensely awesome. Anything else that you want to share about this topic um, that people need to remember? You know, man, I just, I think it would just be this. Don't put your faith in a man. Yeah. Put your faith in Jesus. Ooh. All of us will fail you. Yeah. I'm going to fail you. No offense, Mark. You're going to fail Dude, them. Already happened. Already, all of us are going <laughs> to fail it doesn't mean there are no good people out there. I think there are really good people. I think David was actually a pretty good person. Yeah. I think Moses was actually a pretty good person. I think Abraham was actually a pretty good person. Yeah. Epic failures when yeah. it came to these types of things, right? But I actually think they were really in the game and trying to do that. Yeah. And I don't know that at any season in my life, I'm going to have anybody better than Moses, David, or Abraham believe me. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. so the reality is, I, I think, have hope. Put your hope in Jesus. Understand that God's ways and his purposes and his power is greater and bigger than people. Man, that's so good. And I think I would just echo that with, it's an easy time to be discouraged, lack of holiness, and, and no heroes in the land. And I wonder if God isn't in that itself. I wonder if we don't need to be praying more for the church and praying for these ones that are falling or, or close to falling or whatever. And even be praying for a time of greater character in the land. Like, I read some things from the past, and I know it wasn't all, all perfect, but there are there are giants among the Puritans. There, there's folks, and I'm like, oh, my word, like, this was amazing. And I believe God can do that again. So I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I'm just saying while we are uh, getting our hearts right and submitted only to Jesus, I think there is, I think the Lord is showing, hey, y'all, y'all don't have the stability you should have here. And the church could. Like, let, let's keep praying and believing no doubt. That, that that can advance, not just get used to it, right? right? Scott, this has been so awesome, man. Hey, how else can people find out more? Is you know, I don't know if you're on Twitter or Facebook or anything. Where can we follow you and glean more of your wisdom? Yeah, man. I actually pulled myself off social media for a season. All right. So yeah, it just, it wasn't healthy for me. Yeah, yeah. And so I just said, you know what? I'm not going to do that for a season. But um, chapel.org, you can connect with me there. And uh, if there's any any way to be helpful, let me know because I'm a huge believer in being helpful. And so that is true. And he uh, practices what he preaches. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you found that as fascinating as I did. Don't forget that you can find more spiritual leadership content at BibleLeadership.com. 
And another way you can support the BLP is to pick up some swag, like t-shirts or sweatshirts just in time for fall. Go to BibleLeadership.com and click on Resources. Also, if you'd like to support the Bible Leadership Podcast more directly, consider signing up to be a patron. You get early access to the podcast for the first tier of support, which is only $3, and the rewards go up from there. Go to Patreon.com slash Bible Leadership to partner with us. Don't forget, God is trying to do things in you, not just through you. That means he's often going to call you to do courageous things that make you face your fears, humble yourself, believe the best about others, and make the decision that is the right one even when no one else wants to do it. You lead for an audience of one. Leaders do get the people from here to there, but even more than that, they get God what God wants. We are cheering you on. Go do it.